this morning, we recognize your presence in this place. It's so sweet. We recognize, Lord God, all across this world, revivals breaking out, left, right, and center. Lord, I thank you that you are doing amazing and wonderful things at Capital City Church. On behalf of all of those here and even those who are online and who call CCC home, Father, we just ask you to use us in this time and this season, however you see fit. Lord, we open ourselves to whatever it is that you want here at Capital City Church. Lord, we submit ourselves afresh to you. We thank you for your word, which is the authority and the roadmap of our life. We thank you today that as we dig in that Holy Spirit, you will bring to us what is needed by your word, by encouragement, by correction. I thank you, Holy Spirit, this morning you will lead us and you will guide us. And even those right now, Lord God, who need a touch in their body, me included, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're our healer, our restorer, and our redeemer. And I thank you that the anointing of God just breaks every chain of sickness and disease and infirmity right now in Jesus' name. Would you just release your holy Go strength in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Matthew. Wow. You know, I, uh, I found out that I was going to preach, um, I think it was late Friday, but I was at Disney on ice with my son Levi and my beautiful wife Melissa. And then yesterday we took a nice little side trip down to the United States of America and we did a little bit of shopping. Okay. I did no shopping. And Melissa did a little bit of shopping, and Pastor Linda did really good. <laughs> Come on. And I don't know what it is about Pastor Linda, but she carries favor on her life. I just saw the bags going into the back of the truck, and I thought, we're getting hauled in. We're getting hauled in. That's it. We're going to go see our friends at the customs. We know them all by name now. And we pull in, and the lady there asks us, uh, you know, and you know, the usual questions, any drugs, this, that, blah, 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 anything like that. And I just answer, no, 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 no. And she goes, how much did you spend? And I go, well, we, my wife and I spent X amount, um, but she spent X amount. I was trying to disassociate myself from the issue at hand. And uh, she asked us a couple more questions, and she just hands me the passports, and she goes, thank you, have a great day, welcome home. And I, I, I'm just driving, shaking my head, and I'm going, if I spend $50 at Target, you know I would have been hauled in, right? And so I was just kind of rubbing shoulders with Pastor Linda, trying to get some of that favor rubbed off onto me, but we had a great time. Needless to say, I got home last night, and uh, I, I was putting together this message, and, and so this is a message that came last night, but it's a message that's kind of been developing and I was kind of like in the car and, and uh, you know, the girls and Levi were all having a good time. But I was thinking, like, what am I going to speak on tomorrow? You know, because I don't like coming underprepared. What am I going to speak on? And, and Melissa says, you know, in times like this, you just got to go back to the basics. You got to go back to what you know. She's like, why don't you preach on trust? I'm like, yeah, okay. I've done that. I've got about a 1,000 messages worthwhile. But here we go. And so anyways, I turned my Bible to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, because that's where you go when you want to talk about trusting God. And all of a sudden, I realized how funny it is that for years and years and years, you can miss something. You ever miss something? Come on. Especially in the Word of God. And so I would just go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, and that was it. 
And as I was just reading it, I began to understand that it was much larger than that. So the command of trust happens in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, but the rest of the chapter is actually steps on building into that trust. And so you ever hear this said sometimes, it's like a loaded statement. Maybe you're going through something, and normally when you're going through something, there's two responses that you will hear. Number one is, I'll pray for you. You hear that? Which is good. Thank you. I appreciate all the prayer I can get. I need it. You need it. We need it. We all need it. Right? Um, and the second thing that I like, you know, that, that I hear is, well, just trust God. And then they walk away, and I'm like, just trust God. How do you just walk away like that's so simple? Like, what do you mean by that? Is that what you say when you don't have anything else to say? Just trust God, right? Like, you're like me just trying to disassociate from Pastor Lynn in the back seats, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Just, just trust God. I don't know what to say, but trust God. It'll work out, you know, and we mean well. But then I started thinking about it. What are we actually saying when we say just trust God? Because that's a loaded statement. And I started thinking to myself, well, do I know how to really trust God? I know I'm supposed to, but do I really understand how I'm supposed to trust God? And so I turned to Proverbs 3, and all of a sudden, I began to see that there's steps to trust. And so if it's okay with you with the remaining time that we have, I'd like to explore some of these steps so that the next time someone says, just trust in God, you don't become cynical, but you go, Yes, I will trust in God, and this is exactly how I'm going to do it. Because I have a blueprint. I have a roadmap now to understanding what it is, but also how I can actually take forward-moving steps to trusting in God, right? And so one thing I love about trusting in God is every time you think that you've gotten there, you actually realize how much more there is. So, you know, you get to a place where, like, well, I trust God with my children, or I trust God in my workplace, or I trust God with my finances, or maybe even this, I trust God with my gift, right? And we all need places in our lives where we're really working out the trust of God in our lives. But let's look at some steps that the Word of God lays out for us on how we can actually do that. Everybody say number one. Number one. Number one. I always encourage you, you should be taking notes. Because by point number 27, you're not going to remember what point one is. You're laughing. <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the one with the microphone. All right. Number one, here we go. You ready? Don't depend on you. Don't depend on you. Can I tell you something? As good as you are, you will let you down. You're going to do it. Why? Because it's the truth. <laughs> you're human. At one point or another, you're going to have a weak moment. You're going to say something you didn't mean. You're going to do something you knew you should have done, right? You're going to associate with people that you know. Come on. There is a whole list of things on why you should not depend on you. I'm not going to depend on me, and you shouldn't depend on you. Well, where are you going with it? Listen up. I want to listen with me, okay? Here we are. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says this. Trust in yourself with all of your hearts. Listen, if I'm reading the word gun, y'all got to correct me up here. Does it say that? Does it say trust in yourself? What does it say, my friends? Trust in the Lord. Are you the Lord? I'm sure thankful for that. Right? Trust in the Lord. Look at this. With all of your heart and what? Lean not on your understanding. In other words, 
Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and stop trying to depend on yourself. I get it. You're the smartest one in the room. I understand. Brad Pitt is jealous of your looks. You, you dress better than anybody on the past, what is it, Paris Fashion Week. I see this uh, PFW or P, what is it, Paris PF Show S. I see this little thing all the time. Like, what is going on here? And all these people are trying to outstyle each other. Listen, I get it. You're the best of the best. You're the cream of the crop. And yet God has still not mentioned your name in this scripture when it comes to trust. And so the first step, really, of learning how to trust God is learning that you shouldn't be depending on your own giftings, your own wisdom, your own knowledge. Because at the end of the day, we will eventually deceive ourselves. We will eventually lead ourselves astray. And if that was not the case, then A, we would not be called sheep. Come on. You ever see sheep? Like, they're not the smartest. They have no means of natural protection. If they fall over with the big fluffy coats that they have, they cannot get up. Come on. They're literally just a moving target. Right? If, if you were so dependable, then maybe God would have called us something a little bit cooler. Like, you are the great white shark. Or you are the apex predator. You are the tiger or the lion or whatever other animal that you like. Some of you are like, I just want to be a llama. That's okay. But you're not. You're you. But you can't always be trusted and you can't always be depended upon. And here's the good news. We live in a world where trust must be earned. And it seems to be in short supply. Can you say amen to that? I don't know who I can turn to trust anymore. I don't know when someone says, trust me, if I can actually trust them. Normally people that say, trust me, if you have to say, trust me, chances are I probably shouldn't be trusting you, right? But if you don't have to say, trust me, and for some reason I trust you, there's probably be a reason there to trust you. Here's the truth. We live in this world, right, where it's in short supply, but Solomon who is really speaking to his son, by the way, and setting him up for success in life, so the famous king who wrote Proverbs 3 knew that trust is exactly where we must start. Most of us have faced disappointments. Anybody? You face disappointments? Most of us have been discouraged at different times, which have taught us, you know, which tries to teach us that we can only depend on ourselves. I deal with a lot of people in, in the ministry, and, and what I see is when people get hurt, they build this kind of wall that nobody will ever penetrate again because they never enjoyed the feeling of being hurt or let down or discouraged. And so they think to themselves, the only one I can ever trust is me. The only one that's going to get me through it is me. It's all about me. And I understand and I empathize with that because I have been there before. But when we become a child of God, we need to rearrange our thinking. We need to let those walls begin to fall down and say, Lord, I've been burnt before. Lord, it's hurt. Every time I get close to someone, they leave me or they, 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 they mock me or, or Lord, word, they, they, they try to use me for their own personal gain. Well, listen, did Dennis Burke not say to us a few years ago that it's God who keeps the books? Does he not say things like, blessed are you when you are persecuted? Come on. 
Blessed are you when they use you and abuse you. Come on, when someone tries to steal your coat, give them your hat as well. When someone asks you to go one mile, go the extra mile. This is the substance of the kingdom, and it starts with trusting in God. So look at this. Living the life that God has called us to means sometimes we need to unlearn some things. And the number one lesson that we need to unlearn is we have to become dependent or trusting in God rather than ourselves. And I see this because, you know, for some people, they get to a certain point in their walk with God, and they feel like there's a barrier, and they're not sure what's going on. Because at the bottom of it, they've got some trust in God, but a lot of their trust is still on them. They're not quite sure. They haven't gone all in, if you will. So we may know in our minds that God possesses all wisdom. We may know that his ways are higher than our ways. Look at what Romans 11 says. It says, who could ever wrap their minds around the riches of God, the depths of his wisdom, and the marvel of his perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of his decisions or search out the mysterious ways he carries out his plans? You ever hear this? God is a mystery right? The way that he works sometimes may be mysterious to us, but he understands exactly what's going on. The Bible says from the beginning to the end, he knows exactly what's happening, exactly what's transpiring. There's never a moment that doesn't, that goes by that God's not like, I'm aware of what's happening. He's aware of your pain. He's aware of your joy. He's aware of your anxieties. He's aware of your biggest fears, whether you admit them to yourself or not. And at the end of the day, what we've got to do is have a mind shift from depending on ourselves to beginning to depend on him. Amen? So but sometimes, look at this, trusting God can, uh, in him completely is not always easy. <laughs> Trust isn't always easy. I wish I could stand here today and say, yeah, it's always easy. Because we're always going to be battling this idea of, I think I know better. You ever pray to God and ask him for something and he gives you the answer and you're like, yeah, I think I like my way better. We're all guilty. You may not admit it this morning. That's okay, right? I'll admit it. Sometimes I pray to God, and then I get the answer, and I'm like, ah, can we go for option two? Is there, like, door number two, door number three, right? Uh, oh, <laughs> that's, that looks like hard work, God. That looks like a lot of faith, God. That looks like stepping out into the unknown, God. That looks like way beyond my abilities, God. And he goes, yep, 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 hello, hello. Because when we walk it out with God, it's always going to require a level of trust that is beyond your comfort. Wow. So don't depend on you. Number two, this is what I saw, the second step to trusting in God. It's a beautiful one. Cry out to God. James says if you ask for wisdom, he will give it liberally. I think every time I think of that scripture, I think of how I peanut butter my toast. We have big canisters of peanut butter in our house, the biggest ones, not the ones from like Costco, the, the second Costco, like the restaurant Costco. I heard people getting those pails. I'm almost there. But we got big ones, and we always got other ones on reserve. I had to crack one in yesterday, a second reserve of peanut butter. When I peanut butter my toast, I do it liberally. Melissa will be like, didn't we just get this? Yeah. How much bread have you been eating? Just one slice. She's like, do you peanut butter your toast or do you toast your peanut butter? 
whatever, however you want to look at it. See, when we ask God for wisdom, the Bible says he gives it to us liberally and without hesitation, without reproach. He doesn't make us feel shame for it. He's like, no, 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 ask me, cry out to me. Whatever it is that you need, I am it. Whatever it is that you need, I have it. It is in my possession, and I want to get it to you. You want some peace in this troubled time? He's it. He's got it. Draw close to him. Cry out to him. I cry out to him all the time. Lord, my soul is shaking right now. Lord, I, I, Lord, I, I don't know if I could take another step. It's hard out there sometimes, Lord. Everywhere I look, all I see is confusion, and I see destruction. But, Lord, here's where I'm at. Can you help me with the peace? There's a peace that the Bible talks about, my friends. It says it surpasses understanding. You know how I pray? God, I don't get it, but I receive it. I don't understand how in the middle of a storm, Jesus, you can be sleeping because I've been in storms and I could never imagine myself taking a nap, but you did it, and that's the kind of peace that I want. And so we cry out to him. See, the church has forgot the art of crying out to God. Just, oh, well, que Sounding like Pastor Mike right now. He's probably chuckling. Right? Whatever it will be, it will be. With that mentality, yes. But it don't need to be like that. You have a God that loves you. You have a God that is for you. You have a God that has ordained your steps. You have a God that has blessed you with wisdom and health and blessings upon your mind. And all you've got to learn how to do is cry out, Lord, help me. Lord, Bring me to a place of understanding. Look what it says in Psalm 55, 17. It says, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. There is no bad time to cry out to God. There is no bad time to pray. There is no bad time to turn to Jesus, my friends. It says in Proverbs 3, 6, because that's where we're at. Look at this. In all your ways acknowledge him. That's a crying out to him, and he shall direct your paths, right? When you look at your Bible, some of your Bibles will have little notes about certain scriptures, and one of the ones that my Bible has is he shall make smooth your path. You ever go hiking? I remember one time we went hiking with uh, Ryan and Ashley, and they're so much fitter than I am, and uh, I had Levi strapped in on a backpack, and we were going, and the, the path was nice, and we were walking. It was good, but then we got into some trails that I think Ryan wasn't aware of. He was taking us on this nice walk. Next thing you know, I'm like, I'm wishing I had a machete to cut through some of the, the branches. And I remember one particular part. It was me and him. We were leading, and, and uh, he was ahead of me, and I was trying to keep up to the best I could without dying. And... And all of a sudden, we get to this part that's really rocky. Rocks coming out of the ground and, and, and all sorts of, like, uh, you know, tree kind of branches down and roots that are coming out of the ground. And it looked like something out of, like, a really scary movie that I wouldn't want no part of. And I remember I'm walking, I'm talking to him, and, uh, you know, me doing two things at once never works out good. And I'm walking and I'm talking, and I trip, and I kind of twist my ankle, and it's the kind of twist that instantly hurts. He's like, you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I was in distress. I was here. And I was like remembering. I said, Lord, am I not trusting you enough? You said you would make the paths smooth. That was one path that I really could have used being smoothed out. Right? But here I am. I'm being foolish right now. But really, when you think about it, when you find yourself in a situation that is above your control, what do you do? Do you just lay down there and take it? Or do you begin to cry out to God? God, you promised me that when I acknowledge you, 
And when I cry out to you, you'll make the path smooth. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's going to be smooth. That means I'm not going to lose my footing, Lord. I'm going to keep making forward momentum. Well, we finished that one. It took me about two weeks to recover. Thank God for his healing power. And every time that now Ryan asks me if we want to go on a hike, I'm just automatically busy. <laughs> it's not true. He actually brought me to Mont Tremblant with like a, what was that, 4.2 kilometer hike up. I don't know why I signed up for this stuff. It's that ego getting in the way. You've got to learn I can't depend on me anymore. Number three. Everybody say number three. Run from evil. Okay. So you see, it's not just the command of trusting the Lord with all of your heart. It doesn't stop there. We keep going, and we see in Proverbs 3, 7, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. See, this is all still the process of trust, of developing trust in God, right? So much of this world can clutter up our relationship with God. Do you not agree with that statement? There's so much out there. There's so much more available to us at our disposal than there ever was, right? I mean, there's so much. We, we, are we, like, like if we want to get into it, I mean, there's streaming, uh, you know, platforms after streaming platforms, and they all want to give you a one-month subscription. By, by the way, it's a trick. After one month, they got you. And it's so hard to find where the cancellation thing is, you just give in, right? That'll steal your time. I mean, there's, there's things around the house that need to be done. I look around my house, and I go, oh, yeah, that. Yeah, I said I would do that two and a half years ago. <laughs> Right? There's stuff that always needs to be done. There's, there's things that always need to be worked on. There's TV shows that always need to be watched. There's social media that always need to be checked. There's, there's something around every single corner that would want to pull us away from our Savior. So here it is. Not all of it is bad, but some of it can become bad. Come on. So here we are. John in his gospel describes this in 1 John, sorry, 1 John 2.16. It says, he describes it as the desires of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And all these things try to bring a wedge between us and our Savior. In other words, look at this. Our blessings can easily become our stumbling blocks when we think of them as what we deserve or what we need to be happy. And what happens in that moment is all of a sudden we start chasing after the blessing and forgetting about the blesser. Sometimes we can get so busy in this that we start chasing the healing that we forget about the healer. And so what could be a real blessing to you becomes a stumbling block because all of a sudden you've forgotten about the source and you're chasing the results. But if the Bible says if you just chase after the source, all of these things will be added to you. And so sometimes we just get in the way of what God wants to do in our life. And so we need to do our best to avoid what is evil and focus on what is good. Life works best when we remember the true source of our blessing, which is God, and we focus on the things that pleases him. Remember uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2? Paul said it this way to Timothy. He said, hey, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And so he's reminding Timothy, listen, flee those youthful lusts. Flee the, the, the temptation to think that you know it all. Flee the temptation of pride and, and conquering and, and, and putting yourself before others. 
flee the desires that come up in the flesh and pursue the things that I've set before you. And so we can really get into this place. Look at this. Proverbs 3, verse 8 says, It will be flesh to your, sorry, health to your flesh and strength to your bones when we talk about his words. So how do we resist it? We submit to his word. Number four. Number four. Out of 27, we're almost there. Number four, it's very simply said, but sometimes a little bit harder to apply. Put God first in your life. Put God first, right? It's easy to put ourselves first, right? I, you know, I, I see all these like posts and it's like hashtag me time or hashtag self-care and I love it. We need to take care of ourselves. We really, really do, especially in this, in this day and age. I'm, a, I'm an advocate of taking care of yourself spiritually, mentally, physically, relationally. Take care of yourself. Make sure you have people around you that support you, that love you, that, 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 that will put the risk of your relationship on the line to get you to where they know that God is calling you to be. Friends that will correct you are the kind of friends that don't come around very often, and even though they probably annoy the snot out of you, they're the kind of friends you should keep around. Because they're the friends that are going to speak the truth to you, right? But every time someone tries to speak the truth to us, we're like, they don't even know what they're talking about. Oh, they hate me. <laughs> Quite opposite. They love you. They love you so much that they're willing to speak the truth to you in love. My friends, that is a diamond. Keep that person around in your life. When something good happens, we want to congratulate ourselves as a reward, right? Come on. You know how I like doing it? Come on, you'll never guess. With food. Anytime something good happens, hey, let's go to the restaurant and celebrate. But you know what? On the flip side of that, anything bad happens, let's go to the restaurant. Right? We, we, we want to celebrate when things are going well, and I love celebrating, right? But then we also turn to things when things aren't going so well, Right? Uh, what I realize is that uh, food will never come from me the way that Jesus does. It'll touch my belly for a moment, but he touches me in my soul. He touches me to the deepest fears that I have. He, he blesses me in areas that I can never even understand why he would do it. And when it comes to money, let's talk about this. We live in this world that can be very me-centered. Me, 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 me. We all want me, me, me right? We can live in this world that's really me-centered. But when it comes to money, the struggle is even harder sometimes. But Solomon, look at this, who, who had quite a bit of wealth himself. I don't know if you are aware, but his bank account had several more zeros than mine does. We find here that Solomon says we had quite a bit of wealth himself. He knew that his money did not belong to him. Look at what he says in Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. One of the richest guys who have ever lived. Honor the Lord with your possessions. He's telling his son, listen, son, honor the Lord with your possessions because as quick as they come, they will disappear. And with the first fruits of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Right here, a father is speaking to his son in the way which he should conduct himself, not by putting him first, but by putting God first. And he hits the very thing that you and I and everybody else on this earth still struggle with, right? You can have my heart. You can have this. You can have that. But don't touch my 
money. When it comes to money, my friends, I have seen families get split over an inheritance, not speak to each other for years and years and years over what? A couple thousand dollars? Listen, is God not your source, right? Money will do some of the most wicked things to the people with the best intentions. And it's the reason why Solomon focuses in and says, son, listen to me right now. Learn how to put God first and put him first in the areas that you struggle with the most. You're coming into an inheritance, my son, that only people would ever dream of. For the rest of history, when we think of the riches that Solomon had, speaking to his son, son, you're coming into an inheritance and how you manage it and how you approach it and your heart attitude towards it will determine your success or your failure. Learn how to put God first. When we begin to learn how to put God first and not become dependent on ourselves, what we're really doing is we're adding to the account of trust. We're adding to the ability to lean into him even when times get tough because guess what? When times get really tough, we've already established a pattern, right? Money's not my source. I'm not the source. My bestie's not the source. Instagram definitely ain't my source. Come on. Nothing is my source but him. It's the way I've been living, and it's not going to change now. And it's going to be my way of escape. So number four, we got to listen. Sorry. Uh, you have to really lean in to God by putting him first. Number five, I'm coming in for a landing. Whew. You're like, yeah, but you got 20-something left. Don't worry about it. A miracle will transpire right now before your eyes. Number five, check yourself by God's word. Check yourself by God's word. What do you mean by that? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. Let's be honest. We're not that good at evaluating ourselves. It's true. We always think a little bit higher, or we always think a little bit lower of ourselves where we should think, right? We don't really have a fair assessment. We want to be humble, but we also were like, I'm the best at this, right? And so when we evaluate ourselves, we're not always the best at evaluating where we really are. We will go to great lengths to excuse our behavior, our actions, or sometimes even our sins. A lot of times people will come from counseling and all I hear is excuse after excuse after excuse on why they did what they did. Their heart's not turned towards God. They don't understand the concept of repenting. They don't understand the concept of, of taking responsibility for what's happened. And because of that, there's no forward momentum. We can't go anywhere, right? I mean, one of the first things that they'll teach you in, in Bible school is if there's no forgiveness, you cannot proceed, right? People come in all the time, and the first thing I say is, are you willing to forgive, and are you willing to work hard moving forward? If the answer is yes, we can get somewhere. But don't waste your time. Definitely don't waste my time. If you're not willing to forgive, we'll send an appointment in another three months when you can work through this and see if you can get there, right? Because at the end of the day, if there's no forgiveness, there's no moving forward. You just cannot be. So you check yourself, right? Who needs a defense attorney when we could pretty much find a reason for any bad thing that we do, right? I mean, we're the best justifiers. I love it. Well, you know, it's just, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as Frank. I don't know who Frank is, but he's way worse than us. So we're okay by definition of Frank, right? I mean, we're so good at this. Right? We get really, really good at this. Don't do that. The prophet Jeremiah said it well in, in, in chapter 17. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things. 
It's a reason why we can't depend on ourselves. The heart is deceitful. Above all things that are deceitful, the heart is the biggest one. And desperately wicked, and who can know it? This is a heart without Christ, right? And the battle still rages on. We have to find an objective measure that tells us the truth. And my friends, it comes this way right here. When you begin to read the Word of God, and you begin to, to really take a good look at your own life and say, Lord, do, am I lining up with this? There's no condemnation if the answer is no. There's just an opportunity to take a step forward. Piece by piece, little by little, make small improvements. We, you know, we start moving. We, in essentials, we started memorizing scriptures. And uh, we all admitted to each other that we all memorized it on the way into church on Wednesday night. I was like, except for one. And, and I was in that group. I was like, yeah, we remember that. But you know what happened as we were memorizing that scripture? We took a minute, we, we talked about it, and all of a sudden what began to happen is now this morning I was declaring that scripture over this service. I was like, whoa, it's in there. And what I begin to realize is when I allow the word of God to permeate my life, it not only becomes the standard, but it becomes the motivator. It becomes the one that pushes me from behind to be everything that God has called me to be. And so we've got to allow the word. That's what Proverbs says. Part of the process of trust is allowing yourself to be evaluated by the word of God. Not so that we can see how sucky we are, but that we can see the areas in our life in which we can grow. See, it's all how you look at it. Some people will look at this, this is impossible. Yes, on your own strength, absolutely it is. But with Christ and the anointing upon your life, anything is possible. So guess what? You're a great candidate this morning for a miracle. You're a great candidate this morning to allow the word to come into your life and invade areas that you have been suffering with for years. My friends, the answer is right before you. It's right before you. I can't do, listen, I can't come to your home at 8 o'clock every night, make sure that you're opening your Bible and reading and checking off your list. I can't do it. That's just, that, that schedule is real. I'm looking here. You guys live everywhere. That's impossible. I'd be running around 24-7, right? But what I can say is, listen, let me guarantee something to you. If you allow this to become the standard of your life, if you compare your life to this instead of trying to make this fit into your life, I'm going to tell you something. You're radically going to change from the inside out. You will not recognize yourself in a matter of weeks and in months. You'll be a totally different person. And in a year, you're going to look back and be like, wow, how did I get here? Why? You allow the word to encourage you and to correct you. Matthew, go ahead. Do your thing. Number six, this is a freebie. Can we learn how to listen to Holy Spirit? We're talking about this at Essentials. We're talking about prayer and we're talking about, you know, I was sharing with the class. I said, listen, when it comes to my prayer life, Pastor Mike taught me this years ago. I don't move on any decisions in my life unless I know that the joy and the peace of God are there. If I don't have those in my life, I don't proceed. I don't count it as a write-off. I don't even count it as a no. It could just be not yet. And so I just lay it before the Lord and say, Lord, you know the time. You know the season. You are working this out for my good. So, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that I'll just stay still right here in your presence until you release the peace and the joy of the Lord upon my life. How many times the Holy Spirit has come into a circumstance or a situation in my life and with a gentle nudge, with peace and joy, 
all of a sudden I'm able to release myself to either whatever the, the situation has at hand or I'm able to finally just lay it before the Lord say, here it is, Lord. It's all yours. We we're talking about this. How do you know? Well, that's the way that it works in my life. If I don't have peace and if I don't have joy, then I, not, I know that the Holy Spirit is not in it or on it. And I just wait, Lord. I'll, I'll let you speak, Lord. I'm just going to get out of the way. I'm going to zip it. I'm just going to wait for your reply. But I'm telling you, in these days that we're living in, more than anything, we need to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Wouldn't you like to know about all things? Right? And here's what I found. If I just learned to posture myself before the Lord with a humble heart, a heart that is open to receive encouragement, encouragement as much as it is correction, if I just say, Lord, here I am, less of me and more of you, what I begin to find is Holy Spirit has been speaking all that time. I just wasn't in tune. But as I tune myself before the Lord, all of a sudden I begin to hear him speaking. Go do this. Speak to this person. Sow this seed. Reach out to that person. Give this person a call. Smile. Holy Spirit reminds me to smile sometimes. All of a sudden he'll bring back to remembrance. He'll allow me to have a word of knowledge or wisdom in a very particular situation. He'll also give me the boldness that I need to step out and do what he's calling me to do. This, my friends, is New Testament living. And lastly, we finish with this. The whole time I only had seven. I just wasn't sure if I was going to get there. Rest in God's love. Learn how to rest in the love of God. When we face troubles or trials, we can sometimes wonder if God even cares. Is the enemy just whispering in your ear, where is he? Does he care about you? Does it feel like he cares about you? And this is the trickery of the devil, just whispering so subtly seeds of doubt into your ear. Where's God when I need him? But Solomon reminds us that God never takes a break. He never leaves us to fend for ourselves. Look at this, Proverbs 3.12, and we finish with this. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. Right? The reason I correct Levi is not because I'm trying to build him into some, like, robot. The reason I correct my son when I see him going astray is because I love him, and I want him to be the best. And I want him to be used by God in mighty ways. And so as I begin to correct him now with just gentle love, I see all of a sudden he understands. He just doesn't know that hitting daddy in the face over and over is not a good thing. He thinks it's funny. Right? But I correct him because if I don't correct it now, next time he sees you, he's going to come up to you and wallop you across the face. And you're going to look at me like, get your house in control, boy. I know the scripture, if your house ain't in control, you, you know, I know you're going to pull that one out. I love him. If I see him running in the streets, what do I do? I run. 
Get off the street. It's dangerous. There's cars that are zooming by. I love you, son. I don't want to see you end up in destruction. I don't want to see you hurt. I don't want to see you emotionally pained. And so I correct, and there is a beautiful safety net in the correction of God. It's nothing to shy away from, but it's something to embrace because it comes from a place of pure love. Even in the midst of turmoil, God sticks with us, and He uses those challenges to shape us. When we understand that, our perspective completely flips I thought when I became a Christian that the correcting of the Lord was because he was so mad at me and angry at me. And I've told you this before. I don't know why I always pictured, you know, God is a crusty old man with a long beard that was unkept with a hammer in his head waiting to just beat me over the head with it. And all of a sudden I realized that it's a God who desperately chases after me. Even when I take the wrong turns, it's a God who loves me so much that he put his own life on the line for me. He is invested. He loves you. And we can learn to rest in that love. And here's what the beautiful thing about trust is. When there's an understanding of real mutual love, trust is established. Because you understand they would never do anything that would hurt you on purpose. You understand that they will risk it to help you along the way in your life. You understand that real love is the foundation of trust. And Solomon really understood this. And as I look at Proverbs 3, and I'll encourage you, go ahead and read it from even verse 1 all the way through. You will see that there's some other steps as well that God would point out that we could learn how to trust God. And here's the thing. Don't wait until the moment where you need to trust God to try to develop your trust in God. You build it now so that your bank is full, so that when trials and tribulations and troubles come your way, and I'm not prophesying that over you, I just understand this is real life. It happens. And sometimes it comes in waves and waves and waves. I don't want to be learning how to develop my trust in God in that moment. I want to be able to, to, to extract what I have been building on so that I can continue making forward movement rather than be thrown away by the waves of life. And so maybe you're here today and you're saying, wow, I, I, I need to grow in this area. Yeah, we all do. But here's the really first thing you got to do. You got to put your trust solely in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You got to understand that you can't do it on your own. You got to understand that Jesus has made a way for you to be able to experience this in real time. He did it by coming down to this earth and paying the ultimate price for you and for me by dying upon the cross of Calvary. And upon that cross, not only did he take care of the matter of death, but he took care of the matter of sin. It was a two for one. And so when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we submit ourselves to him and we throw our hands in the air with all abandonment and we say, Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior, and I put my trust in you and in you alone. I put my trust in you for salvation. I put my trust in you for redemption. I put my trust in you and you alone for provision and for protection. 
The Bible says that those who call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hellfire. Saved from an eternity uh, without Jesus. Saved from ourselves. And saved from the curse of sin. But we do that. The Bible says we find ourselves in a place with Jesus as he meant it to be. So how do we do that? Well, it's simple. You just confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. We simply say it in a prayer that we put up on the wall here. But we say it together. See, the power is not in really the words that are here. The power is in the belief of your heart and the confession of your mouth and living it out in real time. So I encourage you, whether you've said this a thousand times or whether you've never seen a prayer such like this, if you know that you need Jesus today to really begin this walk of trust, would you say this prayer with me out loud? Would you say, Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my salvation. I ask you to forgive me of every sin. And I repent, and I'm purposing to change the way I think and live. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, help me to learn about you and to grow in this kingdom lifestyle. I declare you're my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name.